0: Speak softly, love, and hold me up against your heart. I hear your words, the tender trend Welcome, everybody. Time for another podcast, and this is Pat and my favorite type show, The Mailbag. Yes. Mailbag.
1: Hey, Hi, if it wasn't for The Mailbag, I was going to take the night off. <laughs> Where were you going? Uh, I don't know. Probably to the bathroom. There's not much to do around here. Okay. Well, I'm glad I have
0: so much going on because I'll tell you right now. First of all, our show and our book has been so well received, more so now that I'm back on the road. You know, because as you know, I turned the book into a one-man show. Yes, of course. The people are showing up with the book for me to sign it because I haven't been, you know— all over these places and between San Diego, Paula Casino, Paula California, and even vibrato and Bel Air. People like Mel Gibson, (laughs) hello. showed up. Gene Simmons in the audience.
1: All right. You have overwhelmed about the book. You know what I'm thinking, you know, like uh, uh, COVID has a surge periodically. I think our book is having a surge.
0: Really? I know know people. Well, Resorts International last week ordered 250 books in Atlantic City. That was a great show. Now, tomorrow I leave to go to Vegas to do three shows. And then I come back and go to Italy. I mean, it's crazy what's going on, thank God.
1: Uh, Why don't you tell all our uh, stateside people where in Vegas you're going to be?
0: Uh, Well, Vegas on... Friday, I'm being honored by the uh, Italian—I mean, the Italian, the Latin Chamber of Commerce at the Golden Nugget, which is a great event. And then I'm going back to the Mob Museum for an event there, and even in fact, when I land on Thursday, I'm going to South Point to do the Dennis Bono live show there, and then I do a hour show with the book. At, at the bootlegger at the Copa Room, which Lorraine Hunt and Dennis Bono have been such fans of mine and me of them. And then I'm back on the plane coming here Sunday and I'll be going to Sicily on Tuesday for three days.
1: <laughs> I am friggin' exhausted just listening.
0: And then I go to the Chiller <laughs> Convention as soon as I land, the car has taken me to Pennsylvania and I'll be at the Chiller Convention for three and days. Where is there. that? That's in um, Parsippany, New Jersey. Oh, Parsippany. Parsippany, New Jersey. I
1: thought uh, we're in Pennsylvania. I mean,
0: you not to remind me, Parsippany, New
1: Jersey. Oh, oh, New Jersey. Okay, good. Yeah. Because if you were coming to Pennsylvania, you yeah. have to get together. And,
0: uh... No, but that's what I'm doing uh, in the next ten days.
1: <laughs> okay. Let me tell you what I'm doing. That's it. <laughs> I
0: love
1: you. <laughs> Not doing a freaking thing. No, actually, uh, I'm about to finish our next book. I'm down uh, very close to the end, probably the last two or three chapters. And then for the for people who are interested in uh, what the process is, then it, I do a rewrite as to close any, any plot holes or anything that I've done wrong or misspellings or whatever. I do the rewrite it takes me about a week or so, and then it goes off to the editor, uh, who's a professional, and the editor will do a professional edit, and then uh, we're going to have this book in people's hands in December. Perfect, perfect. Well, they can start taking orders, and we'll ship it in December for, for Christmas gifts. That's what we're going to do? All right, perfect. So tonight uh, we are we have the mailbag. We have uh, we have quite a few here. So shall we start? Please. Please. Okay, this is from Rich. Maybe he is rich, and he's just writing an email. <laughs> Interesting story about uh, uh, Robert Evans at the hospital when uh, Frank Sinatra passed. Oops, my screen just went out. Okay, I saw an old interview with uh, Dana Carvey from Saturday Night Live. Uh, he also he also had a heart problem. and said that Sinatra was dying. In the next room at the same time. Oh wow! Weird, right? I mean, uh, both uh, Robert Evans and Dana Carvey bookended uh, uh, Sinatra uh, on his deathbed. You know, they were both in uh, adjoining hospital rooms. Oh, that's wild. When when uh, how long was Sinatra in the hospital the last time? When he I don't
0: him? really know because Barbara you know, closed everybody out. And it was just her friends that she met through Sinatra that she liked. In fact, we, you know, we had the one guy on uh, uh, Dreeson that she loved, and that's why he stayed as her opening act. But any people like even like my, my son Luciano, who we baptized, she she took us off the list, even the funeral list. I mean, oh, she wow. oh no, she was oh, a God. bitch on wheels, man. I don't care about her son's listening. Bobby Marks. But the bottom line is that uh, he was home for a long time and he had card games twice a week with people she wanted him to be with because then they would amuse him so she can go out. <laughs> Real well, dedicated woman.
1: Excellent. Hey, so how long were they married? They were married a while.
0: Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But um, no, I, I couldn't tell you how long he was hospitalized. I mean, he went into the hospital and died almost immediately because they kept him at home and to be comfortable, that's where he wanted to be. So um, I, I couldn't tell you how long he was there.
1: I'm sorry to hear that you couldn't make the funeral. I mean, that's uh, Took us that, off the list. Well, that's why you couldn't make it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, I'm, and, and I
0: called the Monsignor, but I, I think I told you the story. He let me in after the rosary at Good Shepherd Church on Little Santa Monica. In Beverly Hills because he knew how close we were and I was able to go in and sit with him and they, as he, they, they kept this coffin there that night and and they were lining the church by his wishes with gardenias from floor to ceiling he loved uh-huh. the smell of gardenias but anyway it's uh,
1: let's talk about happier things yes let's go to the second evening Okay, this is from James. Uh, Gianni, I was curious if you knew Robert Mitchum. I read his entertaining biography, Baby, I Don't Care. He seemed like a cool guy and had contacts with people that you knew. When World War II started, he worked uh, in an uh, aircraft factory. His best friend there uh, was married to Marilyn Monroe before she was an actor. We'll keep that in mind for a second while I continue. Hello. He did a movie with Sinatra and hung out with him during filming. In his book, he describes being at a get-together with Marilyn Sinatra and DiMaggio not long before her death. Do you have any Bob Mitchum stories?
0: No, I don't. I I knew of him. In fact, his, his grandson, I put in a, a, a movie called PCH with um, Denise Richards, her first movie, which I wrote and produced. Well,
1: who was, uh, is uh, Bob Mitchum's son still active?
0: It's it's his grandson, I think this was. Oh,
1: okay, so is yeah. he still acting?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I hired him then, and that was the claim to claim the fame because um, I had um, I had uh, ooh, a lot of stars. Sybil Shepherd was in that. Um, oh, man, Did have a major. This, a kid have a major role? That? this kid have a major role. Was that?
1: Did this kid have a major role?
0: Oh yeah, it was
1: a, It was about PCH, the
0: college, Pacific Coast Highway, and the college Pepperdine. And it was all the kids that went there. And I built this beautiful building and nightclub on the water, with and I had to give 10%. The city okayed it. I gave 10% of the uh, apartments to students. It was a great combination, it was a great combination.
1: Has this movie ever been released on video?
0: Yeah, of course. PCH School.
1: Really, I, I gotta check it out. I've never seen. Yeah, you know, yeah. I watch a lot of movies. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check it out. Yeah, please. But I remember Bob Mitchell from when I was a kid, when he got uh, locked up for possession of marijuana. It was. I'm, I'm reading this. I'm like eight years old, and I'm reading this, and it, the way they wrote it up, it was like a freaking capital crime. he got caught with a couple of joints at a party.
0: But you, you were reading about him when you were eight years old. I was an
1: avid reader from the time I was. Geez, oh wow, real. that's amazing. Yeah, no, and I, 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 I used to read. I mean, I, reading I, comic books, I can understand, but that's well, really. <laughs> I mean, uh, if, I used to read the back of soup cans. I mean, I just uh, reading fascinated. me. Wow. It does, but I mean, they they, it almost destroyed his career. He had a couple of joints. He was blackballed for a while. I mean, if that would happen now, it wouldn't even be on page sixty-five. Who cares? Oh no, yeah, because everything is marijuana is legalized basically. <laughs> In most places,
0: yeah. but you, you stop at a traffic light you, uh, to wait for the crossing. You, you can get stoned with the people standing around you in this neighborhood.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Man. All right. Well, anyway, uh, no Bob Mitchum stories from you. So no. moving on. This is from uh, Carlo. Huh, that's coincidence. Dear Mr. Russo, like many, The Godfather is a film in my Hall of Fame of motion pictures. Coincidentally, my name is Carlo and my wife's name is Connie. I do there you like go? that? Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I listened to the audiobook version of your biography and found it to be very entertaining and highly intriguing. Uh, your life should be given greater exposure via a motion picture or a documentary. Every step of your journey was riveting.
0: Well, thank you. That, you know, thank so it, I, and I thank that. you, Pat,
1: because you wrote it. Okay. <laughs> well, in fact, uh, this guy's right on the money here. He obviously read your book. Anyway, uh, he talks about Bellevue Hospital, the beauty school, uh, meeting uh, Frank Costello. Uh, uh, what, what, what you've experienced is fantastic. I just wanna reach out to you and say that I enjoy hearing your life story and I hope someone will uh, also uh, reach out and provide you with greater exposure. P.S., looking forward to seeing you in the New York City area should you ever come out this way. Oh, you live there. Anyway, information, my birthday is 1217. But not the same as you and Mr. Sinatra, but it's in the ballpark. God bless and be well.
0: That's very nice. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Okay. From Sacha. Hi, Gianni Patrick. Uh, I think my pal Peter may be reaching out as well to Gianni directly, but in case... I believe you. Uh, uh, I, I believe you know about the upcoming uh, orchestral shows in LA and Chicago, and I was wondering if you'd be willing to, to chat with uh, Justin Freer about them.
0: I've talked to anybody you know. about them. The, he's talking about the the two projections of the Godfather with the live orchestras. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it must be. Yeah, I've already. It's some it's people it's have already reached out. I, that's all I've been doing is interviews. Thank God, and I'm glad they're interested. And having me, and I always take that as a, a, a great compliment.
1: Well, the guy's name is Justin Freer. Is he the producer?
0: I don't know. I think I think Justin. I am in. in I think we're doing a, a a thing with him on Monday for the uh, Hollywood, the Globe, the Golden Globe reporter.
1: Okay, because this this email was dated on the thirteenth, so this is new. Uh, you, you want me to answer this guy after the shot? Reach out yeah anyway he, he continues the actual uh, sheet music for uh, nino wrote a score was mysteriously lost and justin tasked uh with justin was tasked at uh rescuing them uh and rescuing them anyway uh, justin studied under jerry goldsmith that has an amazing year he had uh he had to talk to coppola to get reels and transcribe the score from uh, f- uh, uh transfer transcribed the score by ear from analog tapes Effectively rescuing and uh, preserving an a, a historic score in, included unreleased cues and fragments of the film. Any chance you would be willing to talk about the whole saga? Justin has really done the legacy of the film proud. And the effort to put these uh, concerts together is incredible. Uh, not only will they be a rare experience hearing the music live, uh, but they'll... Uh, the, this is made a typo here. They'll, uh, they'll be, I guess it's, they'll be proof of preserving the music for generations to come.
0: I think I'm, I know that that's the guy I'm, I'm on an interview with him on, on Monday. Four, oh, you are? So you're, so you're yeah, really already work. in touch. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, next. It's amazing how this movie just keeps going.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, Whoever heard of this. I mean, it's like uh it, it's it's like a book that never goes out of print. Um i well I'm,
0: I'm, our, our book is doing that also. So say I'm research. referring to our book.
1: <laughs> no, you know, uh uh hardcover books on an average go out of print after a year. And that's a good run. We're entering year five with this thing and it's still going strong. No, that's great. Yeah,
0: you're so you're, then may... you're creating a big, a big glare when you lean too far over I'm sorry, I'm yeah, sorry. No, no, just for you in your camera you can't see you. Okay.
1: Well, maybe that's a good thing. Anyway, uh, who knows? Maybe one day they'll put Aubrey book to music. You never know. There you go. I'm ready to go. Anyway. I did. Uh, <laughs> they did, yeah. That's my show. <laughs> I, I know I heard about it somewhere. Anyway, this is from Jimmy. Great show, guys. Uh, keep it up. After I read the book, I dug around and found an interview of Gianni on how it started in the early 2000s. Artie Lang seemed ecstatic to have Johnny uh, Johnny on. Have you guys ever thought about getting Artie Lang on the podcast since you both have a history with Stern? it's not a bad idea.
0: I would reach out for him in two seconds. Find him. I did his show after Stern. He had his own
1: show. His own podcast? Yeah, I did it. I'll reach out, I'll, I'll reach out to him. Yeah, please. Oh, that would be I've been great. i a couple of times. Not back in the day when he was having his problems. he probably doesn't even remember who I am. Those were the days... Okay, but I'll, I'll reach out But that's a good idea He'd be a good guest So thank you, Jimmy uh, We'll take that under advice Okay, this is from uh, Jeannie uh, Hello, friends I'm talking to some friends of mine I learned that their father May have been someone you knew Back in your Las Vegas days His name was Chick Stein Is that someone you remember?
0: Not really, no Chick Stein, no okay maybe he had a nickname
1: i don't think anybody's christened with the name chick no <laughs> unless that's uh, unless that's short for chicken and he has a bad pet. <laughs> anyway this next uh next question is coming from a guy named george but it may require a bit of a long answer so shall we go to a commercial
0: please definitely time to make money i will be right back and
1: remember we know where you live so don't go nowhere This is Patrick Piccarelli, co-host of the Hollywood Godfather podcast. I'm also the president of Condo Security and Investigations, a full-time investigative and security firm established in 1988. We are located in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania with worldwide affiliates. Our business paradigm is simple, to provide the most professional services possible while maintaining an ethical standard and client satisfaction. Our areas of expertise include criminal and civil investigations, asset searches, surveillance, executive protection, question documents, background investigations, computer forensics, polygraphs, and many other services. Our staff consists of former law enforcement professionals with hundreds of years of combined experience. Your initial consultation is free. Visit our website, www.condorprivateye.com, or call 724-396-2808. Thank you. All right, we're back. Okay. This is from George. Uh, read and enjoyed your bestseller, Hollywood Godfather, and I'm looking forward to your new book series. Patrick, many authors and writers tire of the process of writing and editing a book. What is your successful process? and Do you uh, do you use any newer technology as the mechanics of writing? Your style is fantastic and uh, uh, making the enjoyment of reading excellent. Thank you both. Uh well, you know, writing is a very lonely experience. I mean, uh, if you're uh, a people person, in fact, I know a lot of writers, obviously, and not many of them are uh, people persons. I mean, they have friends and they socialize. But if you want to constantly be around people or, or, or have that desire anyway, uh, writing is a very lonely experience. I mean, I'll tell you what my schedule is since you asked. I, I write five days a week. It's like that you, I treat it like a job. I write Monday to Friday. I have a goal of 2,000 words, uh, which takes me, depending on how uh, ramped up I am, like the book we're doing now, it's, it's, uh, it's like I'm on speed. I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying it, not that I didn't enjoy the first one. But 2,000 words probably take me about four hours, and then uh, that's it for the day. Uh, on the weekends, I take weekends off. Even if I want to write, I, uh, I withhold that urge because uh, I, I want to be fresh come Monday morning and really look forward to it. I mean, I know people that do this seven days a week, and I think that that would burn me out, I know. But as far as technology, I mean, you know, there's still people out there. In fact, I was listening to a, an interview with Nelson DeMille on a podcast the other day. Nelson DeMille, those of you who don't know, was a very, very successful bestselling author. Everything he writes go, goes to number one. Many of his books have been made into movies. Also a Vietnam vet, he's been around a long time, extremely successful. He writes on a legal pad with a pencil. Wow. And that must be I mean his books are big books as they're called. Like and who seven-
0: transcribes that from his handwriting? That's gotta be a He does.
1: He 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 writes it by hand, then he types it up himself Jesus. and on a typewriter, not a computer, and then he, he gives it to his uh, fact checkers, and I mean, he's got an entourage, and he, he could well afford it. He's a very talented, successful writer. I've read all his books, and then they put it into computer software. Uh, that's that used to be the rule, and then uh, you know, God invented computers uh, back in you know the '80s, and not many people do what Nelson DeMille does. I mean, I use I use Word, and uh, I couldn't imagine writing in longhand because every sentence I write. I look at and I correct literally every sentence I'm making some kind of changes I couldn't imagine doing that with I'd run out of a lot of erasers Hello. I'll tell you that. and paper <laughs> yeah I, mean, I, I don't know how he's got a, he's about my age you know I mean got to be very patient uh, but you know uh, the thing is I think anybody that can tell a story verbally uh, where people are interested in hearing what you have to say because you tell a good story. And you read a lot, and you've read—not well, even a lot—that you, you know, you're you read. Period. If you can do both, you can write a book. I mean, That's I've never wild. taken a lesson in my life. I don't know what a lot of writing terms mean. I don't know what most gr- grammatical terms mean. People talk about the uh, inner uh, monologue three times removed. I have no idea what the hell they're talking about. I just sit down, and I write a book like I'd be. Speaking the book, that's it, that's the secret, and, well, and you know,
0: don't change anything. <laughs> no, it's
1: you know, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But you know, uh, uh George here refers to uh, my editing. Writers don't edit because writers can't edit. Because when we look at our work, it looks perfect. I tell you a fair story about uh, uh, somebody who made me a bet uh, that. I couldn't edit my own stuff, you know, uh, correctly. Every writer thinks that they can edit their own stuff and they, they they find out that they can't eventually and they go to professional editors. And why can't you do that? Because you skip over the parts that you made mistakes on. Your eye doesn't catch, catches some of them, doesn't catch most of them because you're reading what you want to read, not what should be there. So anyway, I, 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 I took on the bet and uh, the, the latest book that I wrote at the time, was years ago, I decided I was going to edit. I was going to take my time. I was going to go over every single word and make sure that by the time I got finished with it, it would be perfect, and I wouldn't need a professional editor. Now, keep in mind that edits, editors edit in either red pencil or computer software, which is also red. So when you get when you get it back, you pick out the edits immediately because the editor doesn't change any of the work; they make suggestions. So it's back to the uh, it's up to the writer. To implement those suggestions if they agree with them. And if not, you have a big battle with your editor. That's the way life goes. But anyway, I did this and it took me a long time. I went over every single word, every single sentence and I went over it again. I said, this is perfect. And then I sent the book in to an editor and it came back. It looked like somebody leaned over the manuscript and slit their throat. It was a sea of red. In other words, I screwed the whole thing up. Mm-hmm. I didn't catch 80% of what I thought I caught. So uh, you know, just to dispel your uh, idea, George, that writers edit, they don't. I mean, they'll go back. Into, you know, I, I use the word, word editing. I'll go back on a Monday to see what I wrote last week to pick up the flow. And if I should happen to catch a mistake, that's obvious. I'll correct it. But edit, writers can't edit, and most editors can't write. And that's just the way it is.
0: Thank you for that Moving much. right
1: along. <laughs> Moving right along. Hello, my name is Asaf Wiseman from Israel. I've been listening to you since the beginning, and thank you, uh, and please continue the great job. My question is, ah, uh, here's a good question. What is Gianni's thoughts about the new Netflix movie, Blonde? You go first, and I'll tell you what I think. Oh, my God. First of all, I never watched it. I never would.
0: And I heard so many bad things about it. Who heard, right? I don't know. Who the hell is writing it? And the, well, it's a lot of lies.
1: Well, it's fiction, they didn't say it was true, but it's so depressing. I mean, you know, I always look at, at writers' skill, and I appreciate the skill. This was a very different type of Marilyn Monroe story. It's fiction, it's made up, but it goes along with her life in chronological order for instance they change all the names joe dimaggio has a different name everybody has a different name but you know who they are but they view her as somebody that was so abused i mean you know you and i know you know we we, we, we uh, collaborate on books you and i gianni and i know a lot about marilyn of course not as much as, as you know but she had a tough life but from from the opening reel in this movie she's being abused she goes for her first uh interview with a big director or producer who they give a name but who knows who it is and this is not an audition she's gone for an interview and it's, the movie just started uh and she she goes in there and the guy the guy doesn't even say anything he just throws her over his desk and rapes her and she leaves and that's the end of that scene oh come on i swear to god
0: well, i mean had- i mean i'm not i'm not that, I'm doubting you but i mean No wonder why the
1: opening opening scenes are with her and and her mom. Uh, And how crazy her her mother was. I I have no. Did Meryl ever talk about her mother? No. No. Well, I can see why, if any of this is even close to being true. I mean, a real nut. And she wound up uh, 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 being uh, forcibly committed to a mental institution where, according to the movie, She dies uh in that in that institution when her time was just died in the institution but i made it through about 40 minutes and i just couldn't go any further
0: wow how long the is pl- that? what how long a run of it it's passion.
1: over two hours
0: okay uh
1: and for a for a, a a tv movie that's a lot and uh they they also interview they 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 interject two uh uh gay guys in it who were her lovers simultaneously in in this movie she would jump from one to the other they they would do threesomes and then she'd go with one and she'd go with the other has nothing to do with the story and uh i, I forget one of these guys was the son of a of a famous actor and they mentioned his name uh this was in the 19 i guess the 1950s i forget who it was i was so disinterested in this and they, they just ripped this poor woman apart. I mean, it's, I only watched 40 minutes. It, it, it could have changed direction later, but somehow, uh, you know, I stopped uh, watching it. Then I went to the reviews, and I agree with you as far as the, uh, the, the critics going. They just tore her apart. I just couldn't stand watching it anymore. Well, it, in life, she was torn apart. And you got to watch this? No, I don't think so. Yeah. It's so, crazy well, anyway,
0: how people get this material, and I'm shocked that it was sold.
1: Uh, Marilyn will never die.
0: I know that, but I mean, garbage. They shouldn't expel on it.
1: Well, there's been legitimate biographies of her throughout the years. They thought, well, they can't do another one of those. Let's let's do a fictionalized story. So when you when you label something with fiction, you don't know it's, it's the whole movie's fiction and the whole movie is not true. Yeah. Now, if I was to write a book about somebody and it was fiction, and some of it was true, I would say uh, on the on the opening page, as a disclaimer, this is a work of fiction, except for the true parts. I guess we're using that, aren't we? Let's use that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you know, you, I just was very disappointed. In,
0: uh... No, that's, I mean, it's sad to hear, and that's why, you know, even the, even the conversations that we've had, and the interview with, with you know, Stone, and, and we're all thinking about it, we're trying to clean up her name. And if these people just keep writing garbage about her, that that, that don't sit well because, you know, she's been abused physically, mentally, while she was alive. And, uh, you know, we're going to hopefully be successful enough in turning over her autopsy report. I know you, you're you thinking it's almost impossible, but I think we still getting a petition on this, and after policy. this election year, we'll
1: see what happens. That's- Getting the autopsy report, that's public information. Overturning it, you know, that's a, officially, when you overturn something, you do it officially. never going to happen. But it's going to wake some people up, perhaps.
0: But what, why, why do you say so adamantly it's never going to happen? It's about Marilyn Monroe, and she didn't commit couple, suicide.
1: A couple of reasons. One, it's 50 years old. That's number one. Most of the people are dead, and, and there's so much... Problems in in this country now. There's so little money, there's so few police, there's f- so few prosecutors that are defunding everybody. No one's going to do this. I mean, it, they're just not going to do it. Well, let's put it this way. I, I'm not an expert here, and neither are you. We're going to have uh, Mark Shaw back on the show, right? Uh, uh, next month, he's he's come across some uh, valuable information with people that are still alive. That have information that he has vetted about Mal monroe and her death and it's going to be fascinating but uh he'll have more to say about on that and we'll ask you know when, when he's on the show but uh I, it'll never happen uh in, in my opinion maybe i'm being cynical i've just been in, in police work too long to know what's if, I, if,
0: I, if I, let's say me <laughs> as a public citizen wants to pay for it pay for what the, whatever the work is to overturn it i mean it's legal nothing, stuff
1: there's only she's dead and buried. Fifty years, we've got to, we have we have paper that indicates how she died. There's nothing to overturn. There's there's somebody can read it and disagree with it, and say, well, this is what I'm going to do now. Says a wealthy guy. Says I disagree with this. I got the money to, to uh, uh, conduct a private investigation. He conducts the private investigation, and hypothetically, he finds out that uh, the cause of death lift, uh, listed. Uh, as a result of the autopsy is not true because this person through his bunch of investigators has found evidence that contradicts the autopsy overturning it is reopening the case and finding out that this wealthy guy that hired all these investigators found out the truth and now the truth comes out that you don't overturn the autopsy or the, the the autopsy findings you have to have a complete new investigation find out something, that holds water and can be proven and no one's going to do that. I mean, it's the way it is unless somebody wants to do that. It's got the funding and the time and keep in mind, most everybody's dead. Well, I'm not neither Mark. So we're (laughs) contradicting yourself. Well, I mean, you know, a a lot of the people, for example, that were there the day her body was removed from, from her, 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 uh, her home. Uh, 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 there's, there's witnesses, after viewing the, uh, the Maryland tapes on HBO, that were interviewed at the time, extemporaneously, uh, at the time, it says she was alive when she uh, was on her way to the hospital. They turned around and went back to her house. Those are witnesses. They're all dead. So you've got to find people who were there that are no longer alive, not people that have opinions. We have opinions. I agree no, with that. No, I was
0: saying, but those people who made testimony, they can't
1: refer to that testimony as true. They did. That wasn't official testimony. That was an interview with a reporter. Okay. Since if it was grand jury testimony, by law, a grand jury testimony is allowed to be read into the record if the person who testified is no longer available, he died, or whatever. It could be read in. But this is just a guy talking to a reporter. Mm-hmm. Now, I listened to it, uh, the interview. And he sounded uh, uh, very truthful to me. It was not one person, it was three. The ambulance driver and the two attendants. You can't say, oh, they all got together. What's the purpose? Nobody made money out of this. They said she was alive. We brought her back to the house. But they're not available anymore, so they can't be part of the investigation. So while I'd like to see, because I do agree with you, there was a a half-assed criminal investigation and a half-assed autopsy. Who knows where those findings came from. But to get it reopened again, it's just, I think it's logistically impossible. Okay. But let's see what he has to say when he comes back.
0: All right, please.
1: Next question. You radio and go off. He's just reading. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, uh, Gianni, love the podcast. I, I, I hope it continues. Uh, if you've already discussed this, I'm sorry for asking again. Well, yes, we have, but we can use all the uh, help we can get. I just watched the offer. Why did they cast you in such a bad light? Also, did they leave out? Uh, why did they leave Frank Costello out of the series? It was entertaining, but how accurate was it?
0: Well, Costello was never in that involved with the Godfather at all, with me. It was oh, you Joe. Col- that question. Hello, no, but it was why Joe, he- Joe Colombo. He wasn't left out. He was a big character in it, played by you know, Rubisi.
1: Yeah, well, okay. Costello, Costello, well, Costello Costello
0: basically had nothing to do with The Godfather, other than I was still friends with him. I told him I was going to do it, and he was happy about it. And Barry Barry Schlotnick, they left out of it, and he had a lot to do with it. But uh, yeah, well, that's their choice, you know.
1: Devil's Advocate, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a movie. It's not an 800-page book. Right. You know? What you, what's what's important, what they think is important. But the answer to answer this, uh, this other question, why did they portray you in such a bad light?
0: I have no idea. We're, we're, we're investigating it now. We filed a lawsuit, and it'll come to light why
1: they did it. For those of you who uh, aren't on the East Coast, if you want to see a, an interesting uh, article by Cindy Adams in, in the New York Post, uh, go online and uh, look up uh, Cindy's columns from last week. So this is starting, this story is starting to get legs. And when yeah. the truth comes out, I mean, I, I I can't see them backpedaling on what they did to you. Well, no, I mean,
0: where you, there's a term of law that, not me being naive to this kind of sophisticated law about defamation, there is a specific law called defamation per se. When they defame you, and put you in a crime which they did here they have me battering a woman in real life and that's what we're holding our you know hanging our hat on is that's going to be the thing that's going to be the thing they cannot change and it's really defamed me and my and and my my reputation and my grandchildren even question it so it's uh, my, you know, my, my law firm is like you know, Buckingham, and and, and and Rooney. You, you you can't get a bigger firm than that that can handle this
1: case. Well, you ha- you, you do have a great case. I just want to see uh, ha- they have to respond.
0: Oh no, they you know, have to. They've been yeah. no, but they've been they've received their letters. They can't destroy anything, and we're going to be yeah. subpoenaing documents and deposing a lot of people. That why I want to know why.
1: Uh, we we know why and make money
0: oh yeah but I mean why did they pick one to pick a fictitious character not a real person who's living and breathing
1: well you know w- what I think they don't know anything about you and they figured well this is a, a soon-to- be 80 year old man he's probably uh uh sitting home smoking a pipe he's in his slippers hasn't been out of his apartment in years he's not gonna know anything uh he's his his, his earning days are over uh so us <laughs> And, and, and he's a real person, so let's use him because he can't do anything about it. And in reality, I don't want you to toot your own horn. I'll toot it for you. You've never been so productive in your life. <laughs> Why mean, not right now? It's crazy. I mean, you're, you're doing you're doing very well financially. You're in every business imaginable. I don't think they knew that because if they knew that, the object of a civil suit is to get your reputation uh, uh, blackened to a point where you're earning power is hurt. And your earning power is hurt when your reputation is hurt. Especially so, with us. Yes, yeah, so you know. obviously. So, so I mean, got to- I mean, I
0: mean uh, let's, I don't want to belabor this because it's going to be going on ongoing and I'm sure we're going to have people question it. But um, I'm a fighter. Anybody who read our book knows that I'm a fighter. I'm not going to give this up. And and it's my reputation and, I, and it's been not tarnished for 52 years. Why should they use it and try to earn money with me by destroying me? Forget about it. ain't happening. Uh, I don't understand. I
1: don't don't get people. Okay. Uh, This is from Mike. I'm enjoying your podcasts. Although my kids are annoyed when I constantly play it in my car. (laughs) (laughs) I don't believe them. Also, great job on your book. I recently watched the Rockford Files episode, Dwarf in a Helium Hat.
0: Oh, that was me. I love that one.
1: uh, uh, The character you played was a uh, mobster who tried his hand at acting, but failed after a few bit parts in Elvis movies. (laughs) Uh, No, it was a fun movie to make, though, I'll tell you that. it, it was important to the character to be uh, to be genuine, uh, and uh, friends with people like uh, like uh, Brando and Burton. Just not invited to Hollywood parties because it's exciting to have a gangster there. He also rode in a cream-colored Rolls-Royce, which seemed, uh, very very much like your style of car in those days.
0: It was my car. I, I let them use it, and my wardrobe.
1: But <laughs> okay, that was your car. Oh yeah, my car. Yeah. Well, it's obviously your style.
0: It was champagne, champagne
1: campaign. Perfect. Did you have a name for your car? No. Okay. Some people name their cars. No, I had too anyway, many cars. Besides being named Gianni, uh, how much of your character, how much of the character was inspired by you? Did the writers or producers, including David Chase, know you before you were cast? Any well, backstory or behind the scenes tales that you want to share with this? Particular oh, yeah. Brother?
0: Well, see, what's interesting, and you just mentioned the man's name, David Chase was, was enamored with me. And remember, he wrote The Sopranos. Yeah. So David Chase, when he wrote that, was a 90-minute movie. And uh, he knew everything about me. He used to come to my club and everything. And uh, he he wanted to write this movie, which was, I mean, how glorifying was that, that I had a 90-minute movie written about my life. But, you know, they they made it the Dwarf and the Helium Hat, which I... I love the title. And you,
1: did you survive the episode?
0: Oh yeah, yeah.
1: Because I watched uh, uh, a Perry Mason TV movie about a month ago.
0: Oh, with me as a clothing
1: designer. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I did. I did two hundred
0: hours of television. I, I did them basically because, you know, it, it was a thing where, as we know, motion pictures take so long and a lot of people don't see, but if you get on a popular, like the Rockford Files and Kojak and Perry Mason, I'd walk down the street the next day and you you, you have notoriety. And that's with my ego, I wanted it.
1: <laughs> how, many, how many episodes of the Rockford Files did you do? I did 23 Rockford Files
0: alone. Wow. I did 200 hours of television. It was a lot of fun.
1: How was James Garner to
0: work with? Oh, he's a great man. What a, I mean, an, another great guy who was a golfer and had a yeah. bad back. I don't understand. They go play golf and get hurt every day. It, it's probably how he got the night. bad back? Huh?
1: <laughs> it's probably how he got the bad back playing golf. Yeah, I mean, even you know,
0: Dean played thirty-six holes a day. Dean Martin and bad back. I mean, I, I would not lay in bed. See you later. Yeah. Well.
1: Anyway, uh, uh, thank you, Mike. It, it, it brought back some good memories to Gianni. Oh, yeah, please. Thank you so much. Okay. Ah, hello, team. We're the team now. Good. Uh, do you have a Joe DiMaggio story to share with us uh, from your podcast uh, regarding the last days of Marilyn Monroe at Cal and your book? would like to hear your thoughts. That's from Sandy.
0: Well, you know, the mistake that I knew of is because uh, Marilyn told me, <laughs> She actually called Jonah Maggio in San Francisco to tell her to come and get her out of there.
1: Out of Calneva.
0: Out of Calneva, after that <laughs> incident where Sinatra asked her to do them a favor. And he called Frank It's what's going on there? And uh, you know, she's very upset. And Frank said, mind your own business and don't come. And he didn't come, obviously. And I always wondered if he did come and get her how long would she be alive after that you know yeah because you know they were they were planning to get back together they
1: Not actually,
0: after that not, not I know that' for a fact
1: I mean so rather than his, his his ex-wife and they had a good relationship after they were divorced
0: oh my god yeah yeah
1: but she's begging for him to come up there to get her out of this place she's crying she's hysterical he calls Sinatra and asks his permission basically well, basically he wanted to find out
0: was she on drugs or hallucinating or doing something or really or what's going on here. And Sinatra said mind your own business I need didn't come. I think like you did. You have a passion for her come and get her, let her tell yeah. you the story in, in, in
1: person, you know. Well, he, he chose a side and we don't yep. know how that t- Okay. Uh, I recently started watching uh, The Godfather of Harlem with Forrest Whitaker as Bumpy Johnson, and I uh, and I thought it might be a, a, a good show idea. In the first several ep- episodes of the season of season one, Frank Costello, played by Paul Subbino, has a prominent role. I thought uh, Mr. Russo could uh, shed some light on how accurate his portrayal of Mr. Costello is, and if he has any knowledge of his involvement uh, during this time period with Bumpy Johnson, he means the Harlem thing. Yep. thoroughly... Show and look forward to it every week. Thank you, Tom.
0: Well, first of all, um, I would never watch a television series about that material. I was too close to it, and that's what Frank was the head of the Genovese family while Vito was in prison, so he definitely was very involved in it, and they did their research. So, I mean, I I, I don't watch TV, especially about people that I know, because we'd be sitting here all night long watching in analyzing it and not really enjoying the show. I'd rather watch something I don't know the people or the players.
1: I was on Facebook the other day and I'm uh, scrolling down and I find out that they're shooting episode uh, season, either three or four of the Godfather of Harlem. And there's a picture of Forest Whitaker and somebody else. And it's, it's a picture of the guy who's playing Tommy Lucchese, Bo Deedle. I know. So With crazy. these big, th- thick, horn black glasses. Yeah,
0: yeah. It looks a little bit like it, but I guess the glasses. Oh, I mean, they, they, they know what they're doing. I mean, I'm, I'm right for Bo Diddle, You know, from as a retired cop, he, he, he reminds me of Dennis Farina. Dennis Farina was retired up out of Chicago, and he had a great career. And but Dennis died too soon. That's all. But uh, Bo is loving it. Why shouldn't he? You
1: know. Oh yeah. He uh, he and I were partners. In the PI business, when we first went into the PI business. Oh, I didn't I, know
0: that. That's a yeah,
1: he, he, he called. I, I was still on the job. He was off the job. He got off the job on an ordinary disability. He went skydiving with the, with the, with the royal family of Saudi Arabia. I'm Did I tell you this story? No. Yeah, okay. Because when you when you guard the royal family, and we guarded them every now and then when they came to this country, but uh, they wanted to go skydiving. You know, the, the, the royal family, they were all military people. Uh, when you come down. And, and so are the British, for that matter, but the, the royal family there, but he wanted right. to go skydiving. And Bo said, I'm going to go with them. Now, I've jumped out of planes in my time, uh, both in the Army and, and uh, as a civilian. I said, Bo, I don't think you should do that. Uh, you know, <laughs> 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 anybody he says, ah, nothing to it. I said, you don't know any, you know, parachute landing falls. They don't train. Well, they didn't train. Just well, that's how, how he hurt his leg, permanently. <laughs> That's right. Jumping out of a plane with the Saudi, with the Royal Saudi family. And he was, uh, uh, he got out of the job on, a, on an ordinary disability, which means not job connected. But it was because he, uh, he, he went skydiving with the Royal family. Not too many people can say that. No. Hello. Yeah. yeah anyway, we, we opened up our, uh, uh, the, he opened up the PI agency. We had uh, an office off the Long Island Expressway in Long Island City. Mm. Called me up. He brought me in. I was his partner for a while. Uh, then I went out on my own. But they're the both quite a guy.
0: Quite a guy. Yeah. And still going, as you could just pointed out.
1: Yeah. You're still still going. Okay. Did that, did that, did that, that, that's all folks.
0: Oh really? Okay, good. Well, that's how, how, how do we do? I, yeah. I, I enjoyed I, it.
1: Yeah. Interesting. We thank everybody. Uh gonna uh, uh uh move on that suggestion about uh i forgot even what it was now well i'll, I'll go through these again uh, let me uh just go back a little here well it's in there somewhere anyway no you're talking about, about Audi. Oh, Artie Lang. Oh, yeah, Audi Lang.
0: <laughs> I think you have an all time moment
1: there. For me. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm watching you, what
0: you are myself are... say, What's he doing here? <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering who has jet lag
1: here, me or you. <laughs>
0: well, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, it's been another great night, and we love the mailbag, as you can tell. So please have the cards and letters come in, emails, however you contact us. Most important, Tell your friends about the podcast because we love doing it, and obviously you like listening to it. So have a great week, Pat. Good night, sir. See what you means- on the radio, buddy.
1: I'll see you on the radio. Good night, everybody. All right. Good night. Good night. Woo!
0: If you're feeling sad and lonely, there's a service I could render. I'm the one who loves you only. I could be so warm, so tender. Call me. Don't be afraid, you can call me. Maybe it's late, but just call me. Tell me Thank you for
1: tuning warm. in to the Hollywood Godfather Podcast. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself, Megan Haran, with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com, which is where you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather and on Facebook, as well as leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your messages.
0: Don't be afraid you can call me. Maybe it's late, but just call me. Tell me and I'll be around. I'll be around.